Okay. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our daily reading conference call on A Course in Miracles Original Edition. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles Original Edition, which is published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, where if you mouse over the top for the link at the top of the page for original edition, you will see the link to read ACIMOE in the drop-down. In that same drop-down menu, there is a link to subscribe to an excellent daily email, which contains both the workbook lesson and the text reading for the day. My name is Lemoyne Castle, and this call happens for and with you every weekday morning, Monday through Friday, from about 9, 9.20 to about 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Today we're continuing our reading in Chapter 28, The Undoing of Fear, with Section 8, The Beautiful Relationship. And at the top of the hour, or near there, we'll stop for remembrance, pause for remembrance of our lesson for the day. Today it's uh, Lesson 304, Let Not My World Obscure the Sight of Christ. Uh, it's normally led by Fran, but she's busy t this morning, so we'll be looking for someone else to step up if they will. All right. Um, And Lori, do you have an opening you'd like to share with us this morning? Okay, and I think we've lost Lori. Okay, so... <clears throat> Let me go ahead and review the list of participants that I have here. Um, with us in reading, I have Harrison, Yvonne, Judy, Jessica, and Karen. And with us and listening, I have Ida, Robin Marie, Patricia, um, Micah and Wendy. And is there anyone else who's joined us who'd like to join either of those lists or tell me where I got it wrong? Okay. Um, in that case, I guess we will just go ahead and begin with the reading. Oh, I see Lori is back. 
You back with us, Lori? I am, and if you can hear me okay, yes. Um, I was gifted with a really beautiful opening this morning. Can you hear me okay? Yes. Oh, very good. Oh, I'm so glad. Um, it's a beautiful poem by Hafiz called, Do You Know? Do you know how beautiful you are? I think not, my dear. For as you talk of God, I see great parades with wildly colorful bands streaming from your mind and heart, carrying wonderful and secret messages to every corner of this world. I see saints bowing in the mountains hundreds of miles away to the wonder of sounds that break into light from your most common words. Speak to me of your mother, your cousins, and your friends. Tell me of the squirrels and birds you know. Awaken your legion of nightingales. Let them soar wild and free in the sky. And begin to sing of God. Let's all begin to sing to God. Do you know how beautiful you are? Let not my world obscure the sight of Christ. Amen. <laughs> Thank you, Lori. Thank you, Lori. How beautiful. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thank you, Lori. All right. Well, I guess it's time I'll go ahead and get us started here with chapter 28, The Undoing of Fear, and section 8, The Beautiful Relationship, with paragraph 60. God asks for nothing, and his son, like him, need ask for nothing, for there is no lack in him. An empty space, a little gap, would be a lack. And it is only there that he could want for something he has not. A space where God is not, a gap between the Father and the Son, is not the will of either who have promised to be one. God's promise is a promise to himself. And there is no one who could be untrue to what he wills as part of what he is. The promise that there is no gap between himself and what he is cannot be false. What will can come between what must be one, and in whose wholeness there can be no gap? Lori. Chapter 28, The Undoing of Fear, Section 8, The Beautiful Relationship. God asks for nothing, and his son, like him, need ask for nothing, for there is no lack in him. An empty space, a little gap, would be a lack, and it is only there that he could want for something he has not. A space where God is not, a gap between the Father and the Son, is not the will of either 
who have promised to be one. God's promise is a promise to himself, and there is no one who could be untrue to what he wills as part of what he is. The promise that there is no gap between himself and what he is cannot be false. What will can come between what must be one, and in whose wholeness there can be no gap? 61. The beautiful relationship you have with all your brothers is a part of you, because it is a part of God himself. Are you not sick if you deny yourself your wholeness and your health, the source of help, the call to healing, and the call to heal? Your Savior waits for healing and the world waits with him, nor are you apart from it. For healing will be one, or not at all. It's oneness being where the healing lies. What could correct for separation but its opposite? There is no middle ground in any aspect of salvation. You accept it wholly or accept it not. What is unseparated must be joined, and what is joined cannot be separate. Thank you, Lori and Harrison. The beautiful relationship you have with all your brothers is a part of you because it is a part of God himself. Are you not sick if you deny yourself your wholeness and your health, the source of help, the call to heal, and the call to heal? Your Savior waits for healing, and the world waits with him. Nor are you apart from it, for healing will be one or not at all. It's one is being where the healing lies. What could correct for separation but its opposite? There is no middle ground in any aspect. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> I'll try and finish this paragraph. There is no middle ground in any aspect of salvation. You accept it wholly or accept it not. What is unseparated must be joined. And what is joined cannot be separate. Either there is a gap between you and your brother, or you are as one. There is no in-between, nor the choice, and no allegiance to be split between the two. A split allegiance is but faithlessness to both and merely sets you spinning round to grasp uncertainty at any straw. Say that again, to grasp 
uncertainty at any straw that seems to hold some promise of relief. Yet, who can build his home upon a straw and cannot it as shelter from the wind? The body can be made home like this because it lacks foundation in the truth. And yet, because it does, it can be seen as not your home, but merely as an aid to help you reach the home where God abides. Thank you very much, Harrison. And uh, Yvonne. Thank you, Lemoyne. Either there is a gap between you and your brother, or you are as one. There is no in-between, no other choice, and no allegiance to be split between the two. A split allegiance is but faithlessness to both and merely sets you spinning round to grasp uncertainty at any straw that seems to hold some promise of relief. Yet, who can build his home upon a straw and count on it as shelter from the wind? The body can be made a home like this because it lacks foundation in the truth. And yet, because it does, it can be seen as not your home, but merely as an aid to help you reach the home where God abides. With this as purpose is the body healed. It is not used to witness to the dream of separation and disease, nor is it idly blamed for what it did not do. It serves to help the healing of God's Son, and for this purpose it cannot be sick. It will not join a purpose not your own, and you have chosen that it not be sick. All miracles are based upon this choice and given you the instant it is made. No forms of sickness are immune because the choice cannot be made in terms of form. The choice of sickness seems to be a form, yet it is one, as is its opposite. And you are sick or well accordingly. Thank you. Thank you, Yvonne. And Judy. Here I am. Thank you, Lemoyne. Either, oh wait, with this, with this as purpose, the body is healed. It is not used to witness to the dream of separation and disease nor is it idly blamed for what it did not do. It serves to help the healing of God's Son, and for this purpose, it cannot be sick. It will not join a purpose not your own, and you have chosen that it not be sick. All miracles are based upon this choice. (laughs) 
and given you the instant it is made. All miracles are based on upon this choice and given you the instant it is made. No forms of sickness are immune because the choice cannot be made in terms of form. The choice of sickness seems to be a form, yet it is one as is its opposite. And you are sick or well accordingly, but never you alone. This world is but the dream that you can be alone and think without affecting those apart from you. To be alone must mean you are apart. And if you are, you cannot but be sick. This seems to prove that you must be apart. Yet all it means is that you have tried to keep a promise to be true to faithlessness. Yet faithlessness is sickness. It is like the house set upon straw. It seems to be quite solid and substantial in itself, yet its stability cannot be judged apart from its foundation. If it rests on straw, there is no need to bar the door and lock the windows and make fast the bolts. The wind will topple it and rain will come. Did I go too far? No, you're fine. Okay. If it rests on straw, there is no need to bar the door, windows, and make fast the bolts. The wind will topple it, and the rain will come carry it into oblivion. Thank you, Judy. Okay. Um, Go ahead. I'm having trouble hearing, so I'm going to on my headset. Um, okay. Um, am I... I seem to be echoing a little bit. Can you hear me okay? You're fine. Really? Okay. Um, 64. But never you alone. Well, maybe I should read the previous sentence. And you are sick or well accordingly. But never you alone. This world is but the dream that you can be alone and think without affecting those apart from you. To be alone must mean you are apart, and if you are, you cannot but be sick. This seems to prove that you must be apart, yet all it means is that you tried to keep a promise to be true to faithlessness. Yet faithlessness is sickness. It is like the house set upon straw. It seems to be quite solid and substantial in itself. Yet its stability cannot be judged apart from its foundation. If it rests on straw, there is no need to bar the door and lock the windows and make fast the bolts. The wind will topple it and rain will come and carry it into oblivion. 65. 
What is the sense in seeking to be safe in what was made for danger and for fear? Why burden it with further locks and chains and heavy anchors when its weakness lies not in itself, but in the frailty of the little gap of nothingness whereon it stands? What can be safe which rests upon a shadow? Would you build your house upon what will collapse beneath a feather's weight? Thank you, Jessica. And Karen. 65. What is the sense in seeking to be safe in what was made for danger and for fear? Why burden it with further locks and chains and heavy anchors when its weakness lies not in itself, but in the frailty of the little gap of nothingness whereon it stands? What can be safe which rests upon a shadow? Would you build your home upon what will collapse beneath the feather's weight? 66. Your home is built upon your brother's health, upon his happiness, his sinlessness, and everything his father promised him. No secret promise you have made instead has shaken the foundation of his home. The winds will blow upon it and the rains will beat against it, but with no effect. The world will wash away and yet this house will stand forever for its strength lies not within itself alone. It is an ark of safety resting on God's promise that his son is safe forever in himself. What gap can interpose itself between the safety of this shelter and its source. From here the body can be seen as what it is, and neither less nor more, in worth than to the extent to which it can be used to liberate God's Son unto his home. And with this holy purpose, it is made a home of holiness, a little while because it shares your Father's will with you. Thank you, Karen. And do we have a new reader to conclude with 66? Oh, yes. Okay, I think that was... Wendy and Ida? (laughs) Go ahead, Ida. I'll listen. Thanks. Okay. (laughs) 66. Your home is built upon your brother's health, upon his happiness, his sinlessness, and everything his father promised him. No secret promise you have made instead has shaken the foundation of his home. The winds will blow upon it, and the rain will beat against it, but with no effect. The world will wash away, and yet this house will stand forever, for its strength lies not within itself alone. It is an ark of safety, resting on God's promise that his son is safe forever in himself. What gap can interpose itself between the safety of this shelter and its source? From here, the body can be seen as what it is, 
and neither less nor more in worth than the extent to which it can be used to liberate God's Son unto his home. And with this holy purpose it is made a house of home and with this holy purpose it is made a home of holiness a little while because it shares your Father's will with you. Thank you, Ida. And Wendy? You want it read a third time? Sure. (laughs) Okay. 66. Your home is built upon your brother's health, upon his happiness, his sinlessness, and everything his father promised him. No secret promise you have made instead has shaken the foundation of his home. The winds will blow upon it and the rain will beat against it, but with no effect. The world will wash away, and yet this house will stand forever, for its strength lies not within itself alone. It is an ark of safety resting on God's promise that his son is safe forever in himself. What gap can interpose itself between the safety of this shelter and its source. From here the body can be seen as what it is, and neither less nor more in worth than the extent to which it can be used to liberate God's Son unto his home. And with this holy purpose, it is made a home of holiness a little while, because it shares your Father's will with you. Well, thank you, Wendy. <laughs> and you know, there's there's a good summary for the for this section. And I've gone a little bit round and round on this. Um, I think my summary is going to sound a lot like the whole section. So, here we go. (laughs) Chapter 28, The Undoing of Fear. Section 8, The Beautiful Relationship. God asks for nothing, and his son, like him, need ask for nothing, for there is no lack in him. An empty space, the little gap would be a lack, and it is only there that he could want for something he has not. A space where God is not, a gap between the Father and the Son, is not the will of either who have promised to be one. God's promise is a promise to himself, and there is no one who could be untrue to what he wills as part of what he is. The promise that there is no gap between himself and what he is cannot be false. What will can come between what must be one, and in whose wholeness there can be no gap? The beautiful relationship you have with all your brothers is a part of you because it is a part of God himself. Are you not sick if you deny yourself, your wholeness, and your health, the source of health, 
the call to healing and the call to heal. Your Savior waits for healing and the world waits with him. Nor are you apart from it. For healing will be one or not at all. It's oneness being where the healing lies. Who could correct for separation? What could correct for separation? But it's opposite. There is no middle ground in any aspect of salvation. You accept it wholly or accept it not. What is unseparated must be joined. And what is joined cannot be separate. Either there is a gap between you and your brother, or you are as one. There is no in-between, no other choice, and no allegiance to be split between the two. A split allegiance is but faithlessness to both, and merely sets you spinning round to grasp uncertainly at any straw that seems to hold some promise of relief. Yet who can build his home upon a straw and count on it as shelter from the wind? The body can be made a home like this because it lacks foundation in the truth. And yet, because it does, it can be seen as not your home, but merely as an aid to help you reach the home where God abides. With this as purpose, is the body healed? It is not used to witness to the dream of separation and disease, nor is it idly blamed for what it did not do. It serves to help the healing of God's Son, and for this purpose it cannot be sick. It will not join a purpose not your own, and you have chosen that it not be sick. All miracles are based upon this choice and given you the instant it is made. No forms of sickness are immune because the choice cannot be made in terms of form. The choice of sickness seems to be a form, yet it is one, as is its opposite, and you are sick or well accordingly. But never you alone. The world is but the dream that you can be alone, and think without affecting those apart from you. To be alone must mean you are apart, and if you are, you cannot but be sick. This seems to prove that you must be apart. Yet all it means is that you tried to keep a promise to be true to faithlessness. Yet faithlessness is sickness. It is like the house set upon straw. It seems to be quite solid and substantial in itself, yet its stability cannot be judged apart from its foundation. If it rests on straw, there is no need to bar the door and lock the windows and make past the bolts. The wind will topple it, the rain will come, and carry it into oblivion. What is the sense in seeking to be safe in what is made for danger and for fear? Why burden it with further locks and chains and heavy anchors when its weakness lies not in itself, but in the frailty of the little gap of nothingness upon where it stands. What can be safe which rests upon a shadow? Would you build your home on what will collapse beneath a feather's weight? 
Your home is built upon your brother's health, upon his happiness, his sinlessness, and everything his father promised him. No secret promise you have made instead has shaken the foundation of his home. The winds will blow upon it, and the rain will beat against it, but with no effect. The world will wash away, and yet this house will stand forever, for its strength lies not within itself of all. It is an ark of safety, resting on God's promise that his son is safe forever in himself. What gap can interpose itself between the safety of this shelter and its source? From here the body can be seen as what it is and neither less nor more inward than the extent to which it can be used to liberate God's Son unto his home. And with this holy purpose is it made a home of holiness a little while because it shares your Father's will with you. Thank you, Lemoyne. Thank you, Lemoyne. Thank you, You read the whole thing. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Thank you, Lemoyne. You all are welcome. <clears throat> and, uh, yeah, I didn't mean to be selfish. I thought maybe we could we could eat read the whole thing. But, uh, and it also came to me over the weekend to uh, try to read it in the first person. I think that, I think that, uh, that's, potentially a worthy exercise to do that but I was not prepared to do the whole thing that way because it's not exactly simple some of it is in the second person properly anyway let me not go get lost in semantics and grammar and uh, <laughs> And ask once more, is there someone who's willing to lead our lesson for the day and maybe touch in on the uh, topic, which is uh, the second coming? Any volunteers? Sure, this is Sandra. I can do it. Well, thank you, Sandra. Please go ahead. Okay. What is the second coming? Christ's second coming, which is sure as God, is merely the correction of mistakes and the return of vanity. It is part of the condition which restores the never lost and reestablishes what is forever and forever true. It is the invitation to God's word to take illusion's place, the willingness to let go, sorry, the willingness to let forgiveness 
rest upon all things without exception and without reserve. And the lesson today is let not my world obscure the sight of Christ. I can obscure my holy sight if I intrude my world upon it. Nor can I behold the holy sights of sights Christ looks upon unless it is his vision that I use. Perception is a mirror, not a fact. And what I look upon and what I look on is my state of mind reflected outward. I would bless the world by looking on it through the eyes of Christ. And I will look upon the certain signs that all my sins have been forgiven me. You lead me from the darkness to the light, from sin to holiness. Let me forgive and thus receive salvation for the world. I'm just going to read that again. You, my brother, lead me from darkness to the light, from sin to holiness. Let me forgive and thus receive salvation for the world. It is your gift, my Father, given me to offer to your Holy Son that he may find again the memory of you and of your Son as you created him. Let's take a moment and reflect. Let not my world obscure the sight of Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Sandra. Amen. Thank you, Sandra. Thank you, Sandra. Thank you, Sandra. Thanks, Sandra. You're welcome. You, what, I, what I get from this is, um, is either I forgive the world a hundred percent, either the world is forgiven or it's not. There's no halfway. There's if there's one little thorn in my side, then the world is not forgiven. And I was getting that from uh, from the reading to the beautiful relationship. And the beautiful relationship for me is the one that I have with my creator, which I extend to my brother. And the relationship that I have with my creator is that I am forgiven. 
I am complete and whole and healed. And if I don't see my brother as forgiven as well, and complete and whole and healed, then there's that thorn. And therefore, I'm not complete and whole and healed. So, and the lesson is, let not my world obscure the sight of Christ. So the distractions, whether it's, uh, you know, vaccinations, big farmer, medical profession, you know, my brothers being what I would consider inconsiderate and thoughtless. <laughs> Those are all the things that can distract me. And um, I'm going to keep on keeping on and keep on integrating these words until I am fully integrated. And I'm doing it with my mighty companions so I don't have to do it alone. I'm complete. Yay. That's great. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. I loved every bit of that, Sandra. Thank you. Thank you, Sandra. So I heard in the text reading this morning that I thought I heard that if I dedicate my body to simply to help God's son find his home, that my body won't be sick if I make that choice. So I, I sat there in that moment and made that choice, but my body still feels sick. <laughs> um, and, and I'm thinking suddenly it hit me, what would Lee say about this? And I think from having heard him for, what, seven years or something on these calls, that what he would say is that it's he's not talking about sickness that we perceive as a body He's talking about the sickness of our mind, our soul, our mind, our, our real essence. Thanks. I'm complete. Thank you, Ida. Thanks, Ida. Thank you, Ida. Thanks, Ida. Hi, this is Chris. I really appreciate what Ida said about the body and Sandra also very key points were shared this this reading reminds me of the the three little pigs who built their homes and the big big bad wolf was able to blow the houses down except the one built by brick. Very symbolic of this reading. I won't get into details why it's symbolic. Um, From paragraph 60, the promise that there is no gap between himself and what he is cannot be false. And that's for me, when I first read that, that was that culminated into um, trust and faith that this is true, even though I was deep into that um, as I practiced the lessons and undid a lot of what 
fear produced within my mind, I see that this promise is so true that God and I are one and that the gap I created without God was false. Um, and I love, I always enjoy the readings where it says about the Savior and the healing of our, of our Savior. Uh, whenever someone says or does anything, it, it could reflect, it usually reflects my state of mind. And it, the Course in many ways shares this where this person is giving me an opportunity to heal myself and, and, to, and to provide that healing for him through forgiveness. That, that, that is coming up for me in form of reaction and judgment and grievance is exactly what needed to come up for me to look at it. And in the present moment, of course, with non-judgment, I think those three factors have to be in place within myself for me to undo that. I need to be in the moment. I need to be aware when healing opportunities arises and that I do it with an energy of non-judgment or non-condemning or, or peace or love, all the same. Um, if I utilize, um, like paragraph 62, the body could be seen as not your home, but merely as an aid to help you reach the, the home where God abides. So what Ida and... I just shared about that. Um, two things happen when I have opportunities for healing. The body will present to me an irregular breathing pattern, short, shallow, uneven, and a reaction within myself. And I could tell that that reaction is happening. So it's a communication device of what grievance is coming up to be undone. Thank you, my Savior, in front of me. If it wasn't for you, this, the, the body wouldn't communicate that there's a grievance stored within the mind. A certain way of looking with accompanying reaction. Uh, so this is my opportunity as I train my mind to do that, to undo that that isn't stable within me uh, from a place of stability, of course, from a place of witnessing this that's happening. It's an, it's an interesting thing. I'm not what's being triggered or what's happening. I'm the witness of that. In the moment, non non judgmental. 
so it, it really serves to help the healing of God's son to be aware of these, this within myself and to practice forgiveness. The process of atonement, atonement. Um, I'm complete. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Chris. So practical. Thank Thank you, Chris. You know, something occurred to me when you you said frenemy, Chris. It's like we're not really combining the two words in that friend-enemy. We could combine it as you know, friend-enemy or friend-enemy actually sounds like friend-enemy. <laughs> and, uh, you know, just the combining it as friend-enemy, it becomes friend-of-me. And there's the reminder that we can't have what it speaks of there in the text. We can't have both. And trying to have both just leaves us confused, leaves me really confused, <laughs> and always in struggle as to how do I recapture that one that I would set apart. Anyway, I'm complete. Thanks, Lemoyne. Thank you, Lemoyne. Thanks, Lemoyne. It's Chris again. I love what Lemoyne just said, friend and me, enemy. I, I also, what came to mind is the end of me, the little me, enemy, end of me. Because that's the opportunity we have within ourselves. Thank you. I'm complete. That's great, Chris and Lemoyne. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Thank you, everybody, for sharing. Um, I love the way you reread it, too, Lemoyne. I think we could reread this and reread this. And, and reading that, um, the book in, in the first person is is really helpful. We really own own the truth in it and claim it for ourselves. But... Um, I would like to just focus on um, the idea that the the promise that God makes to us. It spoke of it in in yesterday's or Friday's reading that God keeps his promise, his promises, his, I have so much, his son keeps his in. His creation did his father say, You are beloved of me, and I of you forever. Be you perfect as myself, for you can never be apart from me. His son remembers not. Yet he replied, I will. Yet in that promise he was born. And every time 
God reminds us of it, that um, we should be, we should remember that we are unified and, and have never not been healed. We've, we've never, ever been sick or apart from him. And, it, you know, his whole, whole um, promise is spoken of in this, of our health and our wholeness and um, the call to healing, which is everywhere and in everything, the call of love, for love to be itself, and um, the idea of healing, healing will be one or not at all. It's oneness being where healing is, um, and what corrects separation, but it's opposite. Um, there's no middle ground. It's holy or not at all. There's no compromise. There's no compromise in this. Um, and there's no in-between. There's no other choice, no allegiance to be split. Um, I'm either at home in the body and making a home for an ego and looking through the eyes of the body, through the eyes of perception and judgment and fear and living a fearful dream, believing I've made myself into something I'm not and decided to usurp the power of God as my Father and Creator. That is the authority problem. And, you know, the, the detour into fear that it speaks in the very first chapter that I could change my own perfection, that I could distort and change your perfection or any part of God's creation, judge it and call it or incomplete or sinful, um, you know, this, the whole of it, and is it comes to an end. Fear, the detour and fear come to an end. I'm stopped going, <laughs> I'm stopped going around in circles. I don't, I don't need miracles to heal my own mind anymore. I know my mind is one with God. And, um, but the, the lesson in where it speaks of the all-inclusive nature of Christ's second coming that permits the second coming to embrace the world and hold me safe within its gentle advent, which encompasses all living with me. You know, that idea of the perfect safety and the perfect protection that J.C. came, he speaks of it in the text, I came to fulfill the laws of God and the, their laws of protection, that you cannot be hurt, you cannot die, you cannot suffer, you cannot be in pain. And I'm like, I'm, get, I'm getting really all jazzed up and enthusiastic about pulling these, these beautiful and true and righteous and excellent and um, comforting, consoling and um, protecting um, magnitudinal, glorious ideas together that um, we should all move together into the pure mind and spirit of the oneness that God created us in, in, in our original natural state. Let's return to our natural factory settings this morning. <laughs> I talk long enough. Here I go. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you all for being here. 
and Fred and I want to say Fred and Ollie, Fred and Lemoyne and Lori. Thank you. Thank you, Judy. Thank you, Judy. Yeah, thank you, Judy. Thank you, Judy. Thank you, Judy. I didn't want to extend that from Fran to Sandra, but yeah, thank you, Judy. Yes, I stand corrected. Amen. Thank you, Sandra. Hi, this is Ida. When I say thank you, I say thank you to certain people in the group and stuff. But I know in my heart of hearts, as you all know, that it's really for all of us. Because all of us are one, the one Son of God. And because I don't know what I don't know. And I don't know what anything is for, right? You know, from the Course. The, the people that are silent might have contributed as much, if not more. It doesn't matter. There is no judgment. There is no more or less. It's all the same. It's all one. Thank you. I'm complete. Oh, thank you, Ida. Thank you, Ida. I'm on that page. Thanks, Ida. Thanks, Ida. I agree. We thank God. <laughs> the goddess. The God us. The goddess. Good morning, Ed Harrison. I'm always intrigued by the idea of the second coming. Um, My first introduction to the idea was the uh, traditional Christian view which was uh, at the end of time, uh, God was going to come and uh, divide the the good and the bad, the the sheep and the goats, whatever. Um, And it was so refreshing. Uh, when I came across the Course to see the Course's uh, explanation of the Second Coming, which boiled down for me to the idea that 
at some point, the mind of the sonship is here. Um, and if I think of the mind of the sonship as one mind that we all share, it's the only mind there is. Um, and all of our thoughts of separate identities and separate minds is all nonsense. Um, that's not what God created. And if God didn't create it, it doesn't exist. Um, So in order for there to be a second coming, there had to be a first coming. And as I understand it, the first coming of Christ was the creation. After which the Son, we seemed to fall asleep and wander in this ego dream of bodies and materiality and uh, creating this need to be awakened uh, before a tiny mad idea. Uh, we were awake, and with the tiny mad idea, we fell asleep to the truth of who we were. The Course tells me that the first coming of Christ was another name for the creation. Um, because Christ is the Son of God. The second coming of Christ, the Course says, means nothing more than the end of the ego's rule and the healing of the mind. And Jesus says, I was created like you in the first, and I have called you to join me in the second. I am in charge of the second coming. So the Course is teaching about the second coming and the last judgment corrected my understanding of what the, the last judgment and the second coming uh, were. And one of the problems that arose from my initial beliefs was the guilt uh, that I didn't understand. I had no idea where it came from. 
But as a result of that guilt in me, I projected that guilt onto everything else and everybody else. And that's the kind of undoing that needs to take place. And the purpose of the second coming is to undo what I have made, what I have created, the mind that I have created, and come to the recognition that that mind does not exist. It never existed. There is one mind, and that's the mind of God. That's the Christ mind that was given me in my creation. And today's sex reading, he talks about the beautiful relationship that I have with all my brothers because it is a part of God himself. I'm sick if I deny myself my wholeness and my health, the source of health, the call to healing, and the call to heal. If I refuse to accept the ego's version of who and what I am, and what my brothers and sisters are. If I refuse to accept its version of what the world is, he says, if I accept the Salvation holy or accept it not. What is unseparated must be joined, and what's joined cannot be separate. It's accepting that beautiful relationship between my brothers and myself as reflective of the relationship between God and myself. Every brother is included in that relationship. But as long as I introduce the idea of judgment into my relationships, 
then this relationship becomes ugly. And my relationship with God no longer exists. complete. Thank you. Thank you, Harrison. That was so clear. Thank you, Harrison. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. Appreciate it. And Patricia here, every single story felt to me like the curriculum uh, saying, here, watch it, Patricia, unfold. You know, the story of the seed down underground and the struggle and the dark and the rocks and when will it rain and get juicy, the struggle of life moving upward. And then this finale here, the flower, the reason for the whole story. What was just spoken, it just called me out to say something surprising me right now. And this is what's coming out. It used to be that I could come as the mother or the sister or the wife in the family and go over and judge and review the good and the bad and feel like I had participated in making a difference, something better. Really, I lived a, a, a life where it was of that kind of talent. And something's happened, you guys. This is coming out so clear, that last share. The tiniest moment of a verbal judgment outward, there's no God. There's nothing improving. It's shocking me. And when I go into the deep prayer to say, what's happening? Have I lost the position to be helpful? And it's, no, you just found it, girl. Because this is it now. Processing is over. Judging in any way, there is no God there. Silence. Listen to me. If you speak one word to yourself, it will be, God, show me this. Show me this beauty here. Let me know how to be the blind love, the mystery that knows not and needs not a story. If I have one word, he says, to speak out loud, it will be to that one. I don't know how to help you, my daughter. I don't know how to protect my grandchildren. I don't know what to do with violence and addiction. But God in you does. And I can't be anything but that. And it's hard, you guys. 
It's really, I'm not going to pretend. It's gritty and there is no gray area now. So I've got going through this beautiful, like, purging of these tiniest little things I used to sneak around and think were, you know, still serving. It was only serving me and some false story. Oh, and the miracles that are coming out of it, I can't end without saying it. I had to be honest about this shock of there's no exception. If you're beginning to judge, you go quiet, girl, and you get into me. You go take a bath. You go take a walk. You get away and you come to me, and that's how you love that one you walked away from. It's a different rule. The beauty in the middle of very critical moments, I'll see a glimmer in an eye like Micah does in the restaurants. I see it now in the middle of a suffering addict. He can see that I'm the silent one who knows. You know, I know the end of the story. That's when time stops. We are the end of time. We are here. We know the end of the story. And everywhere we go today, we will be that presence of. And it all is ripening in you. The mystery, the silence, we got to hold it. we got to hold each other. And let that beautiful share this morning be what we'll all do. will be the silence in her that won't be listening or trying to figure out what anyone should do. But say, hey, somebody wants some popcorn. Come and sit with me. We'll pray together and pop some more corn. We've got to hold each other. It's, we still love the drama, but we can't be in it. Thank you. I'll have some popcorn. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, that was beautiful. Thank you, Patricia. Love the Thank popcorn. You, Patricia. Really? That was Thank great. You, Patricia. I, I, Thanks, Patricia. This is Wendy. I'll be real brief, Judy. Um, Go ahead. You're, uh, you know, it made me think how the ego is kind of like an actor or an actress that uh, is looking for a part to play. And something very dramatic comes up, even though it's sad or hurtful or scary. But no, I want to play that part. I could be so good in that part. I could really suffer dramatically. And, you know, that the temptation to step into a story so that you could act out that role could be quite (laughs) compelling for the actor within. I'm complete. Thanks, Wendy. Well, I was, um, does someone else want to go? I've already spoken. I just wanted to say thanks, Wendy. Go ahead, Judy. Just, um, love listening to you, um, um, Harrison, 
um, and speaking of this um, perception and judgment, and then Patricia went into it too, that we cannot judge. If we judge, um, and so I looked up back in, in the beginning of the book where it says, one of the illusions from which we suffer is the belief that what you judge against has no effect. This cannot be true unless you also believe that what you judged against does not exist. You evidently do believe this, do not believe this, or you wouldn't have judged against it. And the whole idea that what we're seeing in the dream is real, when in fact it does not exist. In the end, it doesn't matter whether our judgment is right or wrong. Either way, we are placing our belief in the unreal. This can't be avoided in any type of judgment it, because it implies the belief that reality is yours to select from. <laughs> so I was just laughing and getting all down with that. I really believe that perception is unnecessary. And if you come to glimpse anything close to the real world, you'll recognize the truth as I have that nothing in this world deserves to be judged because by judging it, we have misinterpreted it and labeled it and defined it and distorted reality as something as the way we want it to be. And it's like wrong again, wrong again. So, you know, just to look and listen and be still like well, I don't need to go on it. It's been said before. Thank you, Patricia. Thank you, Harrison. Thank you, Judy. Thank you, Judy. Thanks, Judy. This is Jessica, and um, the uh, <laughs> the whole healing and the body and sickness and uh, belief and faith. I, I, I think that um, when I know that all the world's a stage and all the men and women merely players, when I know that, there, then I am, uh, you know, like Wendy said, uh, the ego's just playing a part. So if there's sickness involved or pain involved, it's, it's, a, it's an act. And that's what makes it go away. It, it, on a certain level, it's gone because I know it's not true anymore. And it doesn't matter. And I'm not invested in um, healing the, on the physical plane. Sometimes that does happen in the process of recognizing who I really am. I mean, I haven't personally experienced it, but I know people who have. And so... I know that it's possible to, whether it's like switching dimensions to another form of the role of the quote-unquote Jessica, as Micah would say, um, that is a different script or something. I don't know. But I do know that when I forgive the world and I lose the world from what I thought it was and I lose my body from what I thought it was, which it isn't really anything because 
um, it's it's a constru- it's, it's an ego construct, and the the body is neutral, as we know, and and so when I step back from that and ask the Holy Spirit to show me what I am, it certainly isn't a body, and so then the reality of any kind of like sickness, physical sickness, isn't significant or seems to fade into a certain, and even pain diminishes quite a bit. So I think there's healing that happens on many different levels. (laughs) And um, it's fun to play with. I mean, when I'm not in the, in that level of thinking this is all very real and true and problematic, (laughs) then it's fun. I'm complete. Boy, I get that too, Jessica. Thank you. Thank you, Jessica. Thanks, Jessica. Especially for your laugh. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Jessica. Um, There was something I was going to say several minutes ago and I got involved with my partner and making coffee and everything and I lost it. So it couldn't have been that important because if it is important, it'll come back. Thank you. I'll complete. <laughs> oh, this is Lemoyne. Thanks, There's one. Th- yeah, thanks, Ida. <laughs> There's always the after call. And uh, this is Lemoyne. I've got that one little thing that... <laughs> I wanted to bring out from the lesson that, you know, what it's saying obscures the sight of Christ is my world. And I, this, is, this is a point, though I don't feel driven, but this is where I can get my little, my little uh, tiny sort of truth in the wall that I've built, start to pry it apart. It's like, that's my wall. I put it there. That's my world that I see. It's not the. It's not. There's no guarantee that it's anywhere near correct. And I know it's in my view is incomplete, being done alone and in separation. And so, then I can see it's like God. My world I see, and it's not the real world. Not the complete world. It's not the whole world, right? So, in the lesson, it's let not my world obscure the sight of Christ. And he's the first sentence, I can obscure my holy sight if I intrude my world upon it. This is, Judy, like, <laughs> this is the inside job. It's like, what am I going to see today? And in the last or towards the end of that first paragraph, it says, I would bless the world, you know, given that there is something out there that's happening. It's the world. Bless the world by choosing the holy site instead of the one that my world seems to demand, the judgment, defense, and uh, attack in whatever form, whether it's defense or outright judgment. Spirit's so, joy. This is what there is 
to forgive is all the stuff I've built up about what I think the world is and thus receive salvation for the world, for the whole world, by letting go of my judgment. And I just I just want to bring that thread out of the lesson. It, it's not anything that actually outside myself that interferes with me. It's my world, what I think the world that calls for fear. And I'm complete. Thank you, Lemoyne. That was very excellent. Thank you, Lemoyne. You reminded me that it's an internal matter. I'm complete. Thank you. Seek not outside yourself. <laughs> Thanks, Lemoyne. Constant, wonderful reminder. Thank you. My cup runneth over today. Let's let's get into the after call. <laughs> Having heard from Lori, are you still here? I am, Harrison. Yay. <laughs> and I was just just thinking about that share of Lemoyne's just now, because that was the window for me too. That line in the lesson that goes: "Perception is a mirror, and not a fact. A witness to my state of mind." And I just want to say that for all those years, I thought I wandered alone in grief. What I lost track of was capital S self. So when I heard Holy Spirit say, find your people, I knew at once. I mean, immediately. I had to find my course community because of the truth we share. And that's a beautiful, beautiful relationship, part of you and part of God. Would you not be sick if you deny yourself your wholeness, your source, your call to heal, your call to be healed? <laughs> Healing will be one or not at all. And in my mind, I went many places in those 12 or 13 years, seeming to wander without a purpose. But here's the beautiful thing about this, this whole reading to me, is the way he use, uses the word purpose. The, the word purpose is, is a beautiful word. And, and it's a beautiful search to um, use the search tool in the app for the word purpose. And just to spend some time looking at all the beautiful returns uh, that come with that search. Um, in those years, 
so focused on my own sense of loss I forgot that my brother's healing is my own that I cannot know my capital S self without knowing all the souls whom God created and in that light you know there's a phenomenal contrast when I think about the word perception perception is a mirror and not a fact I can know I can know the truth or I can perceive with my body's eyes and when I use my body's eyes to serve perception I'm committing to a course of interpretation and translation by using my own value system my own desires my own narrow little private thoughts and that's a pretty good definition of wandering in the wilderness right there the reason I love this lesson today is because it's a plea to my own mind it's a plea to my own mind God's not going to do that for me it's a plea to my own mind that I let not my world obscure the sight of Christ the sight of Christ is just shorthand for the knowledge that all is one and will be one forever that capital S self is the beautiful relationship we share with each other that's knowledge that right there is knowledge and I can commit to a course of knowledge I can accept that purpose or I can rely on my own pluck my own sense of purpose one will lead me home the other one will leave me wandering it's just that that true but the beautiful thing about committing to this purpose this universal purpose this truth that all is one and will be one forever held safely in the mind of God is that I don't do that by myself I, I don't do anything by myself I need to do nothing except 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 accept ACCEPT the truth that's given me and when I do that I understand what he means when he says perception perception is a choice and not a fact the only thing true about perception is that it cannot serve two masters that's that's a quote perception cannot serve two masters when I give my mind to universal purpose I think I'll just roll right into where I thought to close this call today in light of today's lesson perception is a mirror not a fact it comes really clear in um, the obstacles to peace the first obstacle the, the desire to get rid of it and that's where he says perception is a choice and not a fact 
And in that same section, he says, love's messengers are gently sent and return with messages of love and gentleness. What fear would feed upon, love overlooks. What fear demands, love cannot even see. Relationships in this world, how about this? Relationships in this world are the result of how the world is seen. And this depends on which emotion is called on to send the messages, messengers to look upon it and return with word of what they saw. Fear's messengers go looking for guilt. They look for it. They actively look for it. Who's at fault? Who's to blame? Who's to condemn? Fear's messengers feed upon the lie I tell myself about what I am, an ego. But the Holy Spirit has given you love's messengers to send instead of those you train through fear. The Holy Spirit gives me those. I don't have to go find them. They're given to me when I accept the holy purpose of unity, that all is one and one forever, that I can't have health without your health, that I'm not happy without your happiness, that I'm not whole without your wholeness, that I'm not holy without your holiness. This is what he means by accepting the holy purpose, that all is one and will be one forever. Perception is a mirror to my state of mind, and when I accept the truth, that only love is true, that the thought system that sold me the ego and its way of looking on the world and relationships isn't true and I don't want it anymore, then I'm jettisoned. I mean, my mind is jettisoned into the thought system of truth where I don't have to do anything because the Holy Spirit has given you love's messengers to send instead of those you trained in fear. They are as eager to return to you what they hold dear as are the others. If you send them forth, they will see only the blameless and the beautiful, the gentle and the kind. They will be as careful to let no little act of charity, no expression of forgiveness, no little breath of love escape their notice. And they will return with all the happy things they found to share them lovingly with you. Be not afraid of them. They offer you salvation. Theirs are the messengers of safety, for they see the world as kind. And the beautiful thing about it is when I sh share those messengers, love returns to my awareness. Fear is gone. And only love is here. All fear is gone. Only love is here. That's the vision that Christ holds out for all of us today. All fear is gone. Only love is here. I accept that universal purpose today. I'm complete. I Thank you so much, Lori. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Beautiful call. Thank you. Thank you, Lemoyne. Thank you, everyone. Yeah, thank you, Lori.